Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are so encouraged to know that God is using the ocean to impact your life through the ministry of the word. Knowing that your life is being transformed is exactly why we exist. As our vision says, we exist to know Jesus and make him known. So sit back, relax, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life through this message. Good to see all your faces. Welcome home. Welcome home. Um, gosh, so good. I'm trying to get my notes all up here. Um, I've missed you guys. <laughs> missed you guys a lot. Um, I've got a hug. I wore my green band. So if you have a green band on, I've got a hug for you. If you don't have a green band and you want a hug, you can come find me anyway because I'm giving out all the hugs. But I promise not to cross anybody's boundaries. Um, good morning to those who, if anybody's over in overflow, we want to say good morning to you as well, and hopefully we'll catch you out in the courtyard after service today. Church, let me just open really quick with a word of prayer, because we want God to anoint our service, first service back at the Little Theater, don't we? We're back on the other side. We are there now, as Pastor Jimmy would say, we're on the other side. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we lift this service before you today. Lord, we ask for your anointing today. We ask for your word to be spread today. We ask, Lord, that you would prepare us for a new beginning, Lord, that you would prepare us for revival. We place this into your hands. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So 2020 has been quite a year so far, hasn't it? Um, It's been a year of unexpected, a year of challenges, a year of extremes, How many of you feel like it's been a year of life online? You know, Zoom, TikTok, social media. Those have been like our workplaces and our playgrounds for a lot of 2020, hasn't it? And let me tell you, the more time I spend on social media, the more I realize there's a whole language out there that I have yet to learn. (laughs) There seems to be an abbreviation for everything, right? So today, I want to see how good your social media skills are. And to do that, I've got a little test for you. So our Gen Zs and our Millennials are going to do just fine. Our Gen Zs probably wrote most of these. They created this language. Um, Our Gen Xers, I think most of you are probably up for this challenge. And if any of our boomers have shown up today, you know what? Don't we know the ocean has the coolest boomers in the world? (laughs) We really do. Like, we are such a young church, and, and they're willing to come and use their wisdom. And they're just really cool people, so they might surprise us. All right, so I'm going to show you some abbreviations, and I want you to raise your hand if you know what the abbreviation stands for, okay? So, first one, LOL. How many of you know what LOL stands for? Raise your hand. Some of you are already doing it. I'm hearing you. (laughs) LOL stands for laugh out loud. All right, the next one, IDK. Raise your hand. Wow, we've got a lot of people who know that one. So if you're thinking, I don't know what IDK stands for, (laughs) IDK is what IDK, or I don't know is what IDK stands for. All right. So the next one, I have to confess, was sent to me last week by a millennial. (laughs) And I wrote back with a question mark because I thought it was a typo. So minus one point for Pastor Pam, WBY. Who knows what WBY stands for? 
Not as many. W-B-Y stands for, what about you? <laughs> I had no idea. No idea. All right. Our next one, Y-O-L-O or YOLO. I don't even know what's the cool way to say that. Most of us have heard this one. It was pretty trendy uh, recently. Y-O-L-O, YOLO means you only live once. You only live once. All right, now how about this one? W-W-J-D. <laughs> Can I tell you, this one was trending before SMS even existed. Did you know that? This has been around before some of you were born, okay? WWJD stands for what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And church, let me tell you, if you want to know WWJD, you really need to know WDJD, right? What did Jesus do? So that's what we're going to talk about for the next three weeks. We're going to look at some stories in the gospel of things that Jesus did and how it can help us decide what we should do now based on the things that he did. And there's some difficult situations in this world, aren't there? So we need to know what did Jesus do so we can make those right decisions. So during the past few months, it's been anything but routine for most of us out here. Some of you have found it a season of rest. Some of you were probably even bored, but please don't tell those of us who weren't, because <laughs> we might be a little jealous. Some found it to be a season of creativity, and some found it a season of chaos. And I'll be honest, mine started out with a season of chaos, because I was learning how to edit videos. I had never ever done that before, but our Ocean Kids ministry needed something. So I needed to learn how to edit those kids' videos. My goal was to be so good that you guys all thought Beats did those videos. <laughs> I learned how to combine video and audio, how to create transitions, how to remove audio from a recorded video, and how to overlay my own audio and add subtitles. I can tell you, I have learned a lot. When they say old dogs can't learn new tricks, this one did learn a few this year. It was a lot of work, but I'll be honest, once that chaos wore off, once it became routine and I kind of knew what I was doing, I actually settled into a season of creativity, and I found it to be a very refreshing time. So at the beginning of the season, someone told me about this miniseries called The Chosen. Have any of you seen The Chosen? All right, there's not enough hands raised. So let me tell you, it's on YouTube. It's eight episodes for a miniseries. Um, and it's a miniseries that focuses on Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. This miniseries was so real and so personal. And it was so well done that it drew me into a season of reading through the Gospels and even inspired me to paint some of those scenes from the Gospel stories. And I remember telling Belle one day, I've always been really good at seeing the God side of Jesus, you know, the deity, the holiness. Um, but this season has helped me more and more see his human side. And the more I see of his human side, the more I fall in love with him. Isn't he a good God? So there's one story this season that has become a very special story to me this season. And we're going to look at that today in John chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. This story is actually one of the longer stories that's recorded in the Gospels, and it's really rich with details and lessons. 
So as you're looking it up, let me set the scene really quick for you. Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and they've left Judea and departed again for Galilee. On the way, they have to pass through an area called Samaria. When they arrive at the well outside, it's called Jacob's Well, Jesus waited and sent his disciples on to find food. So we're going to pick up the story at John 4, chapter 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank it for himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will come in him, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying that you have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all these things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. You know, this passage is not a short story. There's actually several more um, pieces of scripture, pieces of passages of verses that go into this passage. And um, I could honestly preach... (laughs) a 10-week series on all the lessons that are in the story alone. Talk about the living water, the lessons that Jesus tells when the woman goes back and starts talking to his disciples. There's so much. But today, I want to focus on one particular aspect of this story. As Jesus was resting at the well, 
This woman comes to draw water, and Jesus asks her to give him a drink. In verse 9, we see, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. See, the Jews avoided the Samaritans. And even though Jesus is in Samaria, the Samaritan woman still expected him to avoid her. But what did Jesus do? I know most of you have been watching the news in America. And probably most of you have heard of George Floyd. For those of you who haven't, George Floyd is a black American who the police arrested in May. One officer put George Floyd in handcuffs, pushed him face down to the ground. He then put his knee on his neck and proceeded to hold him there for almost eight minutes, cutting off adequate airflow. The moment was videotaped, and if you watch, you could hear George crying out for help, stating over and over that he couldn't breathe, and towards the end, begging for his mama before he died. All four officers were eventually arrested, but it took four days and several protests for that to happen. And from that moment, a much-needed movement was brought back to light, a movement to wake up America to the systematic racism that's happening in the nation. In this season, I've been trying to learn everything that I can because I believe the excuse of ignorance is no longer valid. It's no longer acceptable in this age where we have easy access to any information that we need. As a white American, it's my season to listen. I'm reading everything I can right now. I'm right now reading a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. And I'm reading posts and blogs that my black American friends are sharing. And I'm listening to podcasts where black Americans are talking about their experiences. And I'm listening. And then I'm sharing them on my social media to try to help others be able to listen as well. And I'm listening because the experiences of black Americans are not my experience. I'm listening because I am a white American, which means I was born with white privilege. This is a very controversial term in the United States right now, but that doesn't mean that it's not true. See, one part of white privilege is that as a white American, I have the option of listening to these injustices today, posting that I'm praying about it, and then tomorrow I could choose to move on to something else because I don't want to admit that it directly impacts me. But our black American friends don't have that privilege. This is the everyday life that they live. And honestly, as a Christian, ignoring injustice directly impacts me. It directly impacts the condition of my heart, and it directly impacts my witness in this kingdom. Micah 6.8 says, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. How can I walk humbly with my God if I'm not willing to do what the Lord requires of me in doing justice? How can I walk humbly with my God when I'm not even willing to listen to those who've had justice done against them? 
I want to look back at our Bible story because Jesus was faced with a stereotype, an injustice of Samaritans being treated as lesser, and we need to see what did Jesus do. Verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. And without any previous context of knowing that Jews didn't deal with Samaritans, those four words don't seem like a big deal, do they? But the Samaritan woman knew that they were a big deal. The disciples knew when they returned that this was a big deal. Honestly, most of the Jews would either have drawn their own drink or would have just gone thirsty. But Jesus' goal wasn't really to get a drink, was it? Actually, if you reread this whole story, and I'm going to encourage you to do that. There's so much in here. Reread it this week. You don't ever see that he got a drink of water. He may have. We don't know. It wasn't recorded because the drink wasn't the real goal of starting this conversation. So let me ask you, what did Jesus do? Jesus let this woman know that she was seen by starting a conversation. Basically, what Jesus did was look and listen. And I believe that's what he is asking us to do now, to see the person and start a conversation. For me, that means reaching out to my black American friends, asking them how they are, apologizing for anything that I may have done, knowingly or not, asking what I should be reading, what I need to know, how I need to change. But let me ask you, who aren't you seeing? Who aren't you talking to? Whose pain and injustice do you walk past every day? Who do you stereotype against? You know, it's easy here in Tanzania to look at the situation and injustices in other countries, right? And to judge that. The United States, South Africa, we can sit and judge that. But what's happening here in Tanzania? What's happening in Dar es Salaam? What's happening in your neighborhood? Let me ask you this. Is there anybody in your neighborhood who has albinoism? Do you look at them? Do you make eye contact with them? Do you say hi? Do you listen to them? Do you attempt to know who they are as a person? Or do you choose to ignore them because, well, that makes you uncomfortable? How many of you remember Sam? Sam was a young man who um, had albinoism, who used to attend the ocean. He came a lot in 2018, was invited by one of our older members. I honestly don't remember seeing him much last year. Has anybody reached out to him? Invited him to return? Have you even noticed that he's gone? Did you even know his name? These are important things. This was somebody in our church. One of the things I love about the Ocean Church is that our future generations ministry has become a welcoming and safe place for children with disabilities. Our teachers get to know the student and get to know their parents, and we work to make them feel as comfortable and as accepted as possible. Can the same be said about you when you meet someone with a disability? Can the same be said about you when you meet someone who has albinoism? Or someone who's from a tribe or a country that has a heavy preconceived stereotype? You know, since moving here, I've heard many stereotypes and comments about people Oh, yeah, well, you know, of course, because they're Nigerian 
Anybody said that? <laughs> it's uncomfortable because it's true, isn't it? Or how about this one? This one might cut a little bit closer. Well, yeah, because, you know, they're chaga. I've heard that. Is it true, though, about all the chagas that you know? It's not. So when we stereotype a group of people, we stop looking at them as individuals, and we find ways to justify our stereotypes. I can tell you that your walk with Jesus will mean absolutely nothing to people you choose not to see. One of the things I love about the story of Jesus and the woman at the well is that after Jesus looked at her and listened to her, he must have shown her love. You know, you see, when Jesus asked her to bring her husband, she could have lied to save herself some embarrassment. This is a total stranger passing through, a Jew who shouldn't even be talking to her. She could have just said, no, he's passed away. No, he's at work. But she didn't. She told him the truth and said, I have no husband. And I honestly believe it's because Jesus saw her and talked to her. He made her feel noticed and valued and accepted just as she was. Because Jesus never tells us to wait until we have everything together before we come to him. Aren't you thankful for that? He tells us to come as we are. What Jesus did was show her Love. And just like Jesus, we need to learn to look and to listen and to love. And I'm so glad that Jesus takes us as we are because sometimes I might look like I have it all together, <laughs> but sometimes inside I'm still that, that little girl who was awkward and shy, grew up in a small town and was very insecure. And sometimes oh, I'm just that 20-something who, who thinks she's doing the right thing when she's not really sure and or maybe that 30-something that's looking back on her past and realizing the things that she's done and she's guilty about. Can anybody here relate to that? Do you ever feel like you've made unforgivable mistake after unforgivable mistake? Like you're a failure, that you'll never be seen as more than that, that you don't want to seek too much Jesus because you're afraid you might be presented with a list of debts that you'll never be able to pay? You see, this woman stood before Jesus, this man who saw her, and she was real and open and honest. And he didn't send her away or call her names. Instead, he offered her hope. I love verses 25 through 26. It says, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Friends, he's there right now. If you don't know him, he is there right now. And I want to introduce you to him. See, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's a problem, isn't it? Our God is a holy God and he's perfect and he cannot be around sin. So if we're all sinners, that makes life feel pretty hopeless, right? The hell that we're heading to is well-deserved. But I have another verse I want to share. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And while God is holy, he's also loving. And he's promised us a savior to pay for our sins, making us fresh and clean and holy in his sight. 
And the Savior is called the Messiah. Just as the Messiah waited by the well for the Samaritan woman, he is waiting here to meet you today. He sees you. He's calling out to you. He is looking at you. He is listening to you. And he loves you. Church, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes right now. Because I know somebody here is ready. Somebody is ready to acknowledge the Messiah who sees them. And if today is that day for you, I'm going to ask you, while all the eyes are closed, to raise your hand. If you want to accept him, if you want to accept the love that he has for you, the forgiveness that he has for you, if you're ready, with all the eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. In overflow, you can do the same. Is there anybody this morning? Church, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Lord, I know I am a sinner. I know I don't deserve grace. But I also know you love me. You sent your son, the Messiah, to die for me. And today I accept you as my Lord and become born again. Help me to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's clap for anybody who may have made that decision today. Sometimes people don't like to raise their hand and they pray it anyway. If you did make that decision today, stop by the harbor and let them know we have something for you. We also want to tell you about our ministry called Starting Point. And it's the the ministry that will help you know what's next on the salvation journey. And before I close, I want to ask if there's anyone here who's willing to make a commitment in your heart today to look and to listen and to love all the people that God brings into your line of vision. If you're willing to make that commitment to say, just say hi to somebody and really listen, even if you're uncomfortable, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Make that decision. I'm standing because I know I need to do better. And I'm going to ask each of you who is standing to hold me accountable as well. If you see me say anything or do anything that's inappropriate, even if I don't know what I'm doing and I'm not intentional, please gently let me know because we can all do better. Church, I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each one that's standing here today, Lord. This gives me hope, hope for this world. Because your light cannot shine if we don't see the people we need to shine it to. So Lord, help us see them. Help us talk to them. Help us love them. It's only with your help that we can do this. Lord, this is all for you, for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated.